Welcome to season four of the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, where we explore the local arts culture and community in the Lehigh Valley. We'll be doing this through conversations with individual artists, administrators, musicians, poets, actors, and arts and cultural organizations. We'll discuss all types of mediums with the goal of enriching local arts culture. Woohoo, it's season four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a while since we've recorded an episode. It has. I don't I don't know what happened. I do know what happened. I feel like life is just insane. But yeah. <laughs> it's three people trying to passion project a podcast that have full-time jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, hard enough that not even all three of us are in the same room right now. Yes, so, exactly. You know. Doing was... <laughs> doing what we can when we can. Yeah. Um, but we're super excited this season. There's a lot that we've got on our plates, but we've heard your feedback and we know that we need to do a better job of representing more different types of artists. So we are making a commitment this season to having more musicians, more actors, more theater folk, is you know, Poets, everything we can do. Authors, <laughs> everything in between. Um, and we'd really love if there are people that you think should be on Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, please reach out to us on Instagram. It's just at Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. We want to know who you're going out to see in the community, whose books are you reading, what events are you going to, whose art are you going to look at. We want there to be like a really wide range of people from all different backgrounds. Um, and we are working to find all of those people, but there's just three of us. So if you have someone that you're like, damn, I would love to hear them on Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, please go ahead and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. For sure. And, you know, us as hosts are always looking for new friends, too. So <laughs> <laughs> send us anybody you think is a good fit. We're yeah. looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, is there anything you're like super excited for this season, Ben? Oh, man. I'm excited about this episode. And so many of these episodes, we, we recorded a couple of these interviews over the last month or so. Mm-hmm. And they're so good. And it pains me that I've been sitting on them because I just have literally not had the time to edit them yet. I, I but, forget what happens. Like but, we did it and I'm yeah. like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so excited for, the, for the, the interviews that we have recorded so far to come out. I'm really excited about the lineup that we have scheduled so far for this season. And I'm excited to see new people signing up every day. <laughs> me too. Me too. Well... Arta Brito is a classically trained oil painter who has studied with various professional artists in New York City. She's worked for the world-renowned Jeff Koons Studios from 2014 to 2016, has had several group and solo exhibitions throughout the U.S., and is in the permanent collection of the Hunterton Art Museum and Lehigh University Art Galleries. Her work explores gender and queer themes inspired by both personal and current events. Her creative process serves as a vehicle for self-exploration and storytelling. Brito's work often resists socio-political structures and illuminates historical events purposely left out of academia. Arda, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I have to say, I really love, you always have these like very cute metal clips in your hair. Is this is like, a, mm-hmm. is this an iconic style choice for you? Yeah. So the metal clips, they're like usually clips to like clamp your hair when you're like styling or going to cut it or dye it or whatever. So it's like a work in progress kind of a thing. So I always like, my hair is like growing. And so it metaphorically means something like kind of, I'm a, you know, I'm a whip. I'm a work in progress. Mm. And it's, no, I really like it. And also like the front part of my hair like the hair kind of turns into little horns and it's actually (laughs) 
And it's um, a reference to the goddess Hecate or Hecate from Greco-Roman mythology. And she was like the first original witch. And I love her. Like she guides me through like my life because she's also the goddess of the crossroads. So my hair is like an homage. Some artisans would pick depict her with horns. So that's why I wear this hair is like to kind of have like this goddess with me watching over me while I'm working, while I'm thinking, <laughs> while I'm making art. I love that. Thanks. I wear them often like when I'm styling my hair and sometimes I'll leave them in and I'm always They're like cute. self-conscious about it. Why? But I noticed the other day when I was visiting your studio that you had like a bunch of them in and the way you had them like layered yeah. throughout your hair was so beautiful. And I was like, oh my like God, a crown. I do that. Like, I'm like, yeah, just use the, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it re- resembles like a work in progress. And for hair, like a lot of times in like cultures, like your hair is a symbol of something. And for me, it feels like it's a symbol of, you know, my glory, my like life, the fact that I had lived, you know, the hair grows new follicles and, mm-hmm. you know, it, actually retains like information of your life lived like how much nutrients you had is actually like you know just proof of your existence it's kind of you know pretty really powerful stuff someone's hair absolutely yeah well I noticed in your studio there was a piece I don't know if it was a a work in progress for something else or if it was a finished piece but there was a piece that you had drawn like all of the clips in your hair and it was like a very prominent part of which one because i I don't even it's not even either it's not even one of the ones that you submitted it just stuck in my head is it the (laughs) helicopter piece look at the photos from the other night let's see if it's in here believe it was last night that was the open house right two nights ago two nights ago it's been two nights oh my yeah God. that was it an all, amazing it all melts together it was amazing so open busy. house my phone wipes everything because it's a piece of old garbage no worries. but yeah. but i really i enjoyed visiting your studio your studio space is really lovely my domain yes. yeah i love it i feel like everybody should have a studio an art studio is like a really great way to like self-discover and self-analyze and just be like everyone should have some space where they can be creative i think in an ideal world, that would be a must, like for <laughs> for humanity, <laughs> for for just the well being of the human condition. <laughs> yeah. Do you create a lot of your work in that studio space, or do you do you work on stuff at home, or is it kind of a combination of the two? Uh, yeah, I I'm always working. Like I'm always kind of on. I try to live a life where like I'll let anything kind of inspire me, or like interact with something just in real time. And allow that didactic information that's happening in real time in front of me while I'm existing to influence like creative process or creative work. Because that's like the best way to make great art is to live your life (laughs) and then just like kind of slowly transmutate it within your body and let it, you know, sometimes you need to let an idea or a concept fester inside you and then you can get kind of like give birth to it or create the idea. Mm. But it... It takes some, for me, it's like, yeah, I can pick up inspiration from anywhere. I don't think I need to be in the studio, but that's where like, I'm most comfortable creating for sure. Mm. Like I like having a designated space outside of like where I live. Yeah. Do you think, what do you think is so important about having that like separation between your living space and your studio space? I think it's because I'm like mentally like I'm diving deep into like my subconscious or like things that I'm grappling with in in my internal world which Mm -hmm. are very visceral like 
a lot of my artwork is like kind of trauma based or trauma aware of itself and like realizes that, you know, the condition that I'm living in or my humanity is having to live in these certain limits of like the ecology of the society that I live in. Yeah, I need like, I don't want to take that home all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, can, it can be very heavy. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, like it's hard to sleep. Like sometimes it's hard to sleep because like I'm, my shit is so heady. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to curse. No, you absolutely Oh, I can? can. Yeah, oh my oh God, God, I feel so bad. No, please. Okay, I like covered my mouth. I was like, damn. But no, like sometimes it's, you know, but where the great art comes from is from the shit like Mm. really like you gotta I mean I'm not trying to say that everyone should be a tortured artist like I don't (laughs) want to glamorize that at all but like that there is infinite wisdom in in these spaces or those pockets and can be turned into something more beautiful or a healthy more more beautiful outlook Mm. I think it should be the goal if you can if you can't just take your time (laughs) Yeah. yeah well it's such a deep form of expression to like let all of that out into something that like maybe one day other people will see it and like there will be conversation about it and yeah. it, it's a lot to put out into the universe no it really is because I'm realizing like when I went to art high school and like studied art there was no third gender artist like I mm. don't remember like a trans like being taught in art history like there was spaces where feminine artists embodied more masculine traits in order to pursue the career of create creative work or you know their creative endeavors mm-hmm. like going out into the fields to landscape paint like and getting paint like permission from like a mayor or something to like produce a painting commission and they have to go into like a horse stable so they need pants to like trudge through the mud mm. and like paint the animals for this like I don't know state piece or whatever like there's always some kind of space where gender is being negotiated or like a you know someone is negotiating that space but it's always limited to the binary right it's right. never the third gender like person <laughs> that's like making heart and blew up and like mm-hmm. had their faces everywhere where like other third gender people can see and identify themselves like it's so important like a facet of living a happy life is like seeing yourself represented in the art around you and Mm. if you're a third gender person and you don't see third gender art you're not seeing yourself represented in the real world and you shut down like Mm -hmm. that's just what happens and like you know, I don't want to speak for all trans people. Like some pe- trans people are like very headstrong and are like, well, I don't need that. Like I can fend for myself. And I'm like, and I, I just see the pain, like, honestly, like, I don't want to speak for them. Like maybe they have other ideas, but the fact that someone has to like prove themselves or put on a, a ruse or be so confident is evidence enough that there's something broken in the system. So like, I tried to just be like, whatever, like, I guess I'll just make my art and hope for the best and try to let people identify with me if they can. If not, Mm. that's fine, too. Is that a goal with your work to create something that like this representation that you didn't see for all the girls? I'm doing it for all the trans (laughs) girls. Like I'm doing it for my sisters. I'm doing it for my trans brothers. I'm doing it for my trans non-binary people. Like, yeah, because they should be witness to, you know, and a trans girl who immigrated from Ecuador, like middle America, probably less than, you know, 
and was able to make art and like I want to do it I want to like hopefully one day go to the Met and like have my work represented there like with right next to like Georgie O'Keefe one of my favorite artists why not but <laughs> most likely not going to happen but who knows like speak it into existence <laughs> I mean I'm doing the work <laughs> so I'm making something and now it's a matter of like finding the people the home the community where people feel empowered to say yeah I see myself in that and this is like you know another walk of life and that is like hey living a life is painful it's rough it's not easy so, so you know if anyone's recording their life or like trying to be witness to their own existence, it's a very brave thing to do. Mm. So I don't know. It's I, I wish more people would do it and advocate for themselves to do that kind of stuff. Mm. I think so. I think like representation is so under undervalued, I guess is the, I'm not sure if that's the right word that I want to use, but like the, the idea of like seeing yourself it's underrated it's under yeah because that's people the right think word underrated it's like, oh, then it's like <laughs> yeah because you're like then you're some kind of egotist mm. or you're like a narcissist it's like oh i rather i don't need that i can do it myself that kind of mentality can be like you know i don't know i think it's good to have that mentality for a lot of things <laughs> but i think that if someone has to fight for their life already it's like there's something wrong <laughs> yeah there's so much like wealth in the world at this point and so much food and abundance it's like a lot of these things should not be this difficult and i don't know why people are acting like it's okay <laughs> Absolutely, i really don't get it <laughs> is there can you think of a time or can you think of something in the media or something art related where like you did feel like you saw yourself reflected in that work I guess Georgia O'Keeffe was like maybe the first one because she was painting like giant flowers and like to make, you know, flowers, which are so beautiful, like this landscape and like enlarge them. And it was like a beautiful vision of nature and femininity and power and beauty and grace and life and aesthetic and color. Like it just went on and on for me. Like for me, that's what it was. doesn't mean that that's what Georgia was trying to communicate. It could be whatever she was, you know, whatever her theories are. I don't want to speak for her. But I think Georgia O'Keeffe, Frida Kahlo, definitely Frida Kahlo. And just any artist, really. Because like, I think just being a creative in general outside of being a trans woman, you have to navigate with so many obstacles. Mm. <laughs> like creative work is not easy. You have to really trust your instinct. And to trust your instinct, you have to really understand yourself or know yourself to start negotiating what marks are important to what painting or what notes are important to what song. Mm. So it takes a lot of like know-how or like knowing of the self, which... I don't, I think it's not for the faint of heart. Like <laughs> at a certain point, I'm like, sometimes it's just like sit down and watch the Netflix and like, relax. <laughs> it can be quite intense. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because I think what I hear in that and feel free to just be like, Elise, no, that's bullshit. That's not what I said. But like what I hear in that is this idea that in navigating your own identity, like you're looking at these artworks made by other people and you're creating an interpretation that you connect with because having something like George O'Keefe's work or Frida Kahlo's work or any of this artist's work, like maybe it doesn't directly relate to your experience or maybe it does, but like finding something in that to connect to, 
in my opinion, is like the mark of a good artist, right? Like that you can find something to connect with. Yeah, it's weird. Like, <laughs> no, it's so true. Like, you know when it's art, when you see it. Like, mm. there's something weird about visual media or visual phenomena that like, mm. you know when it's iconic. You know when it's like, because of the symbols and the shapes and like the structure and the line and the vigor behind the creative process behind it that was moving it was somehow so aware of itself that it was rang so true that you know the sands of time like kind of stopped for that piece you know when you look at something you're like there's something here what the hell I don't know what it is but I see it and I think we all grow up with a lot of these images and again they become underrated but when you see an image anew or someone creates something new and Mm -hmm. you see how they pull it through I mean, I can see where it's related amongst the world and like place it because that, that's what I'm trained to do with my eyes. Mm. But for someone who isn't, yeah, it's really grabbing. Like it can be very visceral. Like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of your audience like have read comics or like look at manga or illustration, animation, like visual phenomena can tell such a great story. It's one of the best ways to. But I don't know if I answered your question. I'm so sorry. No, I just, it, like, it, went it, on. it wasn't really a question. It was just more of like a comment because I like and I'm not just saying this to flatter you. Like, I truly feel that way when I look at your work that like there is something in it. And I'll jump right to the one piece that you submitted. The what is a trans woman but a knight in shining armor piece? Because I think I had seen like either clips of it or like small bits of it on your social media mm-hmm. or wherever. And then I saw it in person at your studio and there was like other people in there. And I was like, I wish everyone could just go away so I could just like stand in front of, yes. <laughs> in front of this for a little bit. Wow. And then like I went, I kept like coming back into your studio. And then like there was one point where like there's no one there. And I think you had our, you had like gone to go mm-hmm. get a drink or something. And I was like, perfect. So then I just like stood there and I, I love like how life size this piece is and like something I felt like, I don't know, I can't even like explain the feeling of it, but I was wondering just for, for those listening, if you could kind of describe, give us like a brief overview of like a visual description of this piece. And I have it here too, if you need like a... (laughs) Yeah, well, the piece is, it's a a life-size work self-portrait. And it's, um, I think about maybe like 80 something inches or 90 inches in height and 39 inches wide. So it's more than shoulder width apart and more than my body height. So it can encompass the viewer, which is what I wanted it to do. I kind of wanted the people like the viewer to like feel like they could walk into the world and also that the world was spilling out into reality, Mm. which was like a metaphysical like spell I've been trying to do with my art is like, have it achieved (laughs) well well, yeah like that's the thing it's like I'm like you know I'm like a visual witch I guess like (laughs) I'm not like into the occult like that or anything of that nature but I'm into the symbology of art history and using these iconic images like the triangle the circle the square that are so underrated supposedly but yet pierce our reality so viscerally so this self-portrait was me using all of that knowledge of like storytelling like how to use, you know, visual media to lead the eye through Mm -hmm. a piece and weave the viewer through, you know, the images of the fox, the wolf, the moon, the comets, the gates in the background of those those towers, the armor, like everything kind of has its own iconic feel and grasp and space within that reality. So it's like, I don't know. 
sorry I went off, but no, you're good. <laughs> yeah, the piece the piece is black and white charcoal, stark black background. It's the nighttime, and there's a moon on the upper right hand corner. It's also a self portrait of me crying into the mouth of a wolf below to my our right, the figure's left. And this wolf has flames coming out of its mouth that are being quelled by the tears from the moon. Then the knight is standing on like murky subconscious waters. So it's standing on water and it has a flaming fire sword in front of it. And it's kind of standing stoically in place. And then there's a, a lobster coming out of the water, going onto the uh, trail of life. And the first words on the trail of life are trust and love. Then there's a fox with a halo around it, piercing right at the viewer, the same way the knight kind of is, like looking out forward. The armor has like a, a chest gem in it, and that like gem is actually placed on the heart chakra of the body of the figure. And inside that gem is a smaller figure, which is actually my real self beyond my physical body. That's what that mm. represents like in my heart beyond the physics of my body in this reality beyond that space is a feminine energy and that gemstone is like how i'm visually just trying to represent it hmm. and yeah i mean i could go on and on and on sorry well, no no that's, don't, <laughs> don't apologize this is your, your space i really like one size wise this piece is extremely striking but two like they're you said it exactly as I was thinking it, like there is so much narrative, visual storytelling, like woven throughout this piece. And I don't know, like you spoke specifically to this like feminine energy in the heart chakra. And when I was in the studio, you'd mentioned that you had like, it was lower mm -hmm. in the piece and you'd kind of like moved it up. And I'm just curious, like in, in that vein, there is so much going on in this piece. Like, was there a direction for how you decided like where things were going to be placed or how it was going to be laid out yeah. kind of, I, no, mean, it, I know it's probably a long development. Takes, yeah. It took like a year to develop this work. Well, because like, I don't, I don't, I really hate capitalism structure around the art world. It makes for really shitty art. A lot of the time that is like, has to be made and has to be like within this one. I don't know. It just like, it's just too quick for the human condition to really expel spiritual work out of and regurgitate it from like the depths of the trauma that we're dealing with or the things that we're coping with or trying to see because you have to live through it first to completely visualize it in a sense and to you need some space to breathe from it and recover and get your you know your wits about you to really pull an image or a story from that experience and I feel like you know capitalism just makes you make a bunch of great images from a couple ideas that you might have strung together and luckily might conceptually fit with you but some artists can make it fit but most artists I realize can't it's just too hard mm. so this piece took like a year to make and I, I was working part-time and stuff and thankfully was able to sustain myself while I was developing these ideas so yeah having an extra job was really helpful but yeah I was uh, just letting life and like my my like sleeping patterns like when I was dreaming 
like I actually got the title of the piece while I was working. I was actually at work and away from the studio and that those words came into my ear. What is a, a trans woman but a knight in shining armor? Those words came to me while I was like not thinking about the creative process, but then automatically like I drew like how I wanted the knight to look and wrote it down on a piece of paper. And from that drawing, I've visualized it like maybe a month later again and it came back to me a month after that and like it took a couple months for me to really like just sit with the concept of me allowing myself to draw myself like a knight I really had to like visualize and internalize what this symbology would mean for you know what is going on in my life at the moment and how I'm having to like re like put my armor on and like you know fend for myself in a certain way or, or advocate for my trans experience in some regard so yeah like I had to meditate with it for like a while and it wasn't until I ran into the moon tarot card where I knew that like this I was like why is this moon tarot card like really speaking to me and then I I learned about it and and all the symbols and symbology about it are kind of about like the walking life that we lead and our subconscious kind of helping us navigate that journey mm. through the, you know, the image of the moon, which represents, you know, the light in the night. So the night represents like, you know, you know, that space where you're going to bed or falling asleep or maybe even getting up from something. But it's like a, a space where you're alone with your thoughts is the nighttime. The moon is like awareness lit up the night. Mm. So it's it literally reflects the sun's light off of the moon's surface. And that's how you can see at night. So this moon tarot card talks about how the subconscious sleepy parts of ourselves also are important in our walking life and a part of our journey and how we have to like work through that to reach some kind of enlightenment as well. It doesn't just happen on the physical realm. It happens in the mental scape of the human condition as well. So I knew that that had to be the story. Mm. That's like, that's basically the, the like psychic backbone of the images in the piece and the night is just the, my self-portrait and me having to walk through that. And and for that to happen, I needed time. I couldn't do it within like a couple months or something. No, I needed to like sit with my life at the moment and like the things that were going well, the things that weren't, having to readjust, having to be in the right mental space to do the right work. And it was not easy. Like <laughs> it was fun. It was a lot. It was like exciting. That's what it was. Like I was scared that I wasn't going to be able to pull that image out of the page. I was really terrified. It was very like overwhelming to like draw a self-portrait that big because I haven't worked like that in a long time. And I haven't worked psychically before, like where I'm like letting my my own subconscious kind of guide the creative process. I usually just directed a, a vision, captured it and executed it, mm. which is what that capitalist structure kind of does. As you know, like right. it, it's like I was really good at doing that and that's OK. But like I want to move away from that and start actually developing myself with my work mm. in this more way where they're working together as opposed to me directing my art to do something i want my art to like also tell me where i am psychically or or how i'm confronting something and then i'm aware of it and then i realize i have to shift or move and then i can see how i'm going to take care of that part of the drawing and and let it move to a new another part of the composition or or i realize i develop the background a lot and it symbolizes this and now it tells me enough about the subject mm -hmm. you know because it's immersed in that 
atmosphere or in the background. So it takes a long time for me to kind of forge these images. Yeah. I'm curious and answer this if you like, but do you keep a dream journal or like like a journal when you wake up or a meditation journal? My, my or... sketchbook. Yeah. Like I think that's the closest thing to a dream journal that I have. But yeah, I've been wanting to, but I'm in <laughs> I'm in such to go and I'm like overwhelmed as hell by it. So there has been no time for a dream journal. <laughs> I'm too anxious. That's okay. I'm always curious. I want like, one though. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I'm always curious, like people that talk about their work like this, especially people that work in a visual medium, like whether or not they do, because I think it's interesting, like journaling, journaling, most people associate with like writing things down or like writing writing down words but like my journal is like I drew a little picture here and then I wrote this and then I like drew a scribble and a shape and like all of the things that come into my brain while I'm sleeping but I'd be interested like if you did keep a dream journal like how your words would translate to your artwork or if it would be something that was just more like visual or if it is or uh, this isn't really a question I'm no just no I think but... <laughs> it's just visual yeah I would do like my sketchbook is the closest thing yeah so it sounds like you kind of do then. Yeah, I do. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I am working with like, you know, images that come to me in my dream or my waking life. But I'm like lucid, like daydreaming. It's usually in those like weird states of consciousness where someone's in this liminal mm. space of thought where creativity just find, <laughs> finds a way to like just jolt at me. <laughs> I like that. And I'm curious, the the only text that you included in this piece that says trust in love, is that, where does that come from? So it was um, like sacred words spoken to me mm. by this older woman. You know, she had a nurse that was helping her and like my friend helped me come see her and we had to set like an appointment and it was really nice and lovely. But what she told me, she's like, just believe these words. You know, so I like paused and listened and she looked at me and she said, all you have to do is trust in love. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so it was so Zen. And like, she just was like, so like always like so passionate and on point. And she was older by that time. She was like in her 80s and like mm -hmm. still very active and like doing everything and like just living her life and having a wonderful time. But yeah, she told me that and that always stuck with me. It was like always kind of haunted me and she was the ceo of uh, the girl scouts at, at a certain point in her mm. career francis hesselbin francis is her name and yeah she told me those words and i i live my life by them she was mm. really beautiful really amazing very wise like always she was always on like the way i am on for the creative <laughs> endeavors of life like she was like that but like all the time for everything always mm. and it was really like it was crazy to see how like strong she was she's like very yeah so she passed away a couple of years ago so but yeah those were her words and I'm gonna live my life like that's my first value it's like rule number one trust in love now we can like proceed into like the murky <laughs> waters of the subconscious <laughs> you know <laughs> is that something that you this kind of like you said like I live by that I structure by that like is that to. is that a value for you is that something you look for in other people or in yeah it both? is it's bad <laughs> it's good and it's bad because it, it lets me weave bad people out real quick that That's I'm just fair. like mm, they do not trust in love 
so I will not trust them. <laughs> yeah, no, like, it's weird. I find my friends based on values now. Like, mm. before it was just more so on, like, a feeling. Now I'm like, no, there's actual building blocks of, like, you know, respect that they have for the life that they're leading mm. that are intrigued to my well-being. So, like, if someone doesn't have that kind of heart or, like value structure it's just not healthy for me to be around so i just you know i just like i'm like cool like go live your life that's fine like more power to you good luck like i'm wishing you the best because it's hard but i'm just not into it if like someone did, like i'm just like no nah, i will i will dip out hard <laughs> i will take a left <laughs> i like that it's skirt, <laughs> yeah skirt away quickly <laughs> but with peace and love <laughs> as you say that yeah. i like envision this with your this drawing of you of you as a knight in front of me, like this barrier around you that people just like bounce bounce <laughs> off of. Yeah, well, based on your read on them, kinda, which I like. Well, I'll give them a look, and they just know too. Like I'm like, yeah, I don't like you. I'm sorry. Like I can't hide it. Like it's bad. And then they like get in a in a fluster because like most people aren't comfortable with saying when they don't like someone. I'm very comfortable <laughs> letting you know. Like I'm like, bro, I I don't like the vibe. I'm sorry. I'm gonna peace out, or I'll just like duck out. Out, like in front of you like as you're talking and I will leave I I did that yesterday or two days ago there was like yeah there was this really nice chick she was lovely but I was just like not vibing I don't know what it was she was lovely and fine I could have been an asshole but I just had to be like yo this is like a lot of negativity right now and, and I don't need it so I just ducked out I was like it was too much complaining <laughs> I was like, I'm here to have a fun time. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. <laughs> I feel like I get, and I'm, are you the type of person that like your, your emotion or your feeling or your thought about something is on your face? Like whether you want it Yo, to be or not? Yes. All the time. <laughs> and I, and I mean well by it. And sometimes I'm on like on the wrong side of things, but at least I know where I stand a little bit, you know? <laughs> It's good to have friends out there who are kind of like Arda Chal. <laughs> I forget. I have this problem often. I feel like in staff meetings, I should wear like a mask or something. I feel yeah. Like sometimes I'm just like, what? Yeah, like, no, why are you making, at least stop making that face. No, it's the same. Yeah, I like widen my eyes or I purse my lips a little. Or like, I just like kind of squint a little when I hear something. That's a little, and I'm like, why am I giving everything away? I'm like just showing my cards. It's actually quite foolish. I should be more mature about that i'll grow into it i guess it's very genuine though like i appreciate that <laughs> i don't know if it's worth it though. the cons outweigh yeah they really do it doesn't put me in it's not advantageous to have that face <laughs> like, just like so clearly expresses itself <laughs> Oh. oh well i have oh, friends well. <laughs> they're good enough they're really sweet and kind i'm very lucky <laughs> i do i have plenty i'm good i'm not trying to brag i don't have like a millions of friends but i have like the the ones that i have are great so i'm lucky i'll be all right <laughs> maintaining adult friendships is like it's hard it's super hard yeah because it's it's another it's a relationship yeah it takes time absolutely yeah. Good. Well, speaking speaking of your exhibition that's coming up, I was curious if you wanted to talk a little bit about, I know you mentioned like the work that you're creating for it, but how did this come about? And I, 
how what is your involvement with the center and what is your connection to it yeah so in my past when i was you know in my dead life or whatever you want to call it my past life my past self i had a i have a client his name is bill mcgillen and he's bought a couple of my pieces and became a friend and he actually worked for the center or still does work for the center i believe he does but he was yeah working there and he told me that they had a gallery space and i was like all right i was still living in new york at the time a bit or i was thinking about coming over ended up coming here and then he invited me to do a show and I was like all right I'll do a show and it it took some time because I was early on in my transition I just got home but yeah since then I was like okay the first show I want to have is at the Bradbury Sullivan Center what is the title of the exhibition so yeah the exhibition my solo show is going to be called Arta Through the Looking Glass and yeah it's uh, the the title work is actually me looking into a looking glass and the reflection of the looking glass is then looking at the viewer so it's like a bit meta again (laughs) because i don't know if like people know but like (laughs) i mean everyone knows this it's like how reality works but it's like we perceive ourselves but like you can't necessarily perceive how people perceive you Mm -hmm. but as a trans individual, like because my, you know, I wear my reality on my flesh with the way I'm transitioning with hormone therapy and everything and just the way I look and present, you know, people's faces just kind of read. <laughs> Some people are very, you know, the way I am, <laughs> they're that way too. <laughs> so there's people who like just categorize me and like put me away in like a box or define me in a definition mm-hmm. of like what my experience might be just because I'm third gender. So the painting is kind of of me being aware of like my femininity, aware of how people that are going to be perceiving it and are going to have their own opinions. But that at the end of the day, like when you're walking around with Arda through the looking glass, like I hope that people realize like they have their own looking glass that they're like looking at Mm -hmm. themselves and and being seen from other like people can see you to behave the way that you're behaving like what are the lives that you're kind of leading internally or externally like i hope people think more critically about you know their kind of stance within their own like mental prism and how they perceive other people and maybe ask themselves like what are yeah what are those like core values that we have how do they shape or form our physical reality mm-hmm. and do they reflect what we hold dear to our hearts? I don't know. For me, I'm doing my best upholding my end. So I just hope other people advocate for themselves and feel empowered to like look through that looking glass, like with eyes wide open and like try to love what you see and try to love who you are and try to make things better based on like, because we all know what happened. We all, you know, like we all know what's going on in the world. We're all perceiving it. We're all feeling it. Just because I wear my so-called, you know, experience, journey or trauma, however people might want to label it, like on my flesh, Mm. it doesn't mean that you're not living that very same thing too. (laughs) You know, you might just be targeting it differently in your own, you know, in your own way, because that's just how you represent yourself or whatever. And that's okay. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. I like how you phrase that. And I think like we talked a little bit about this before that like. I think that marks great artwork is like artwork that people can find themselves in or like find their own reflection in. Yeah, because I don't want devoid of experience. Yeah, yeah. Specifics, you know. No, yeah, totally. Like I think that's what I'm trying to do and hoping to do with this collection and like the work that I want to do moving forward is 
you know, set, is now setting a precedent of like what I'm expecting from myself, which is like mm. this kind of place where I really look at myself and allow myself to develop as a, a human being and as an artist, you know, hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm finding like a lot of interesting information, a lot of like things that are heartbreaking about the world, but I'm coming to reality and like moving forward, I'm holding myself accountable for how I behave in the world and like the kind of work I want to create and the kind of dialogue I want to have with my viewer. And, mm. you know, I want to set a certain tone or a certain precedent for, you know, the kind of experience I want for them because that's my function as an artist is like, I'm supposed to kind of hold that space. So I, I've been asking myself what kind of art holds that space. And it's mm. at, for right now, it's these self portraits. Mm. How does this body of work differ from things that you've created in the past or like other bodies of work that you've done? Well, I only had one other main collection, which is my humanist collection. Mm. And in that collection, I was looking at like everyone around me and painting them all the time. Mm. So it's really interesting when you see like what happened to myself and like what happened with my life journey and the kinds of work that is being created before and after the transition. So my old work is entitled Humanism. And then it was like Humanism 1, 2, 3, and 4 or something. Or I don't even know if I did a fourth. I can't remember. It all blurs together. <laughs> but like in, in that body of work, I was really inspired by the high Italian Renaissance and their movement of humanism, which was mm. thinking that, you know, mankind is God's most beautiful creation and that we should like really live it up and like you know, try to find our enlightenment, try to find ourselves, like look within, like support each other. So, you know, like I was working with oils and gold leaf and letting some of the gold leaf glimmer through the portraits and that mm. being a metaphor for like, you know, where we come from as a human civilization, how we're gritty, how we're lived, how we're experienced. But like after like 11 years of this work, I had like a bunch of portraits of everyone else. And I ultimately realized, like, my artwork literally told me, like, okay, now what about you? Like, mm. and that's really daunting. Like, that's the function of a good art practice, actually, is, like, your work, if it's good enough, will will reach your psyche and see you. You'll, like, you'll see, you'll look into the abyss of your soul, of yourself. You'll look into it. And that's really intense, like... You know, <laughs> it like really like took me for a loop. And now I have to do self-portraits. Like I, it would be ridiculous for me not to. Like, how can I think about anything else when I've come to terms with like my transition and myself and where I fit in the ecology of mankind? Like my best role in this civilization is as my trans self, because that's the woman, the person the non-binary person that I kind of am like I you know I'm still learning and figuring all of this stuff out so mm. it, yeah it's like I don't know why I would make a painting about some, something that you know like <laughs> humanism when now I'm trying to discover my own humanism my own human hu hum humanity within myself mm. that I you know, you can see it. It's like <laughs> I was looking outside a lot <laughs> for a long time. Right. And it took me a while to finally start looking within. So it's like, you know, two sides of the same coin almost. Yeah. As as you said that, I was thinking like, oh, it's so, it's the word I'm looking for. Like, it's interesting that 
this switch coincides with your transition, but I think like it's inevitable, right? That yeah, like it's, it's it, reflexive. It, it, it's yes, absolutely. It's and that yeah. like in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you will have this incredible body of work that like represents you throughout time, which I think like that, that is the case for a lot of artists, like your art reflects your experience. But like I, the work that you're creating now is like so raw and very, very powerful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that like, <laughs> I, I want to, <laughs> we have a friend that was on this podcast last season. His name is Doug. Hi, Doug. And he <laughs> wants to have like, he wants to have a show where it's like the alumni of Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast podcast. <laughs> Like, he goes back and like how traumatizing was it to sit in a room with elise or ben or elizabeth for an hour and a half but like i want to do this now like in 30 years and be like arda do you remember when you had your first solo show and yeah. we were talking about all of this artwork yeah, and we and, like how do you feel about it now and i'm curious like you can't know this but as we're talking about like diving into the subconscious like what do you what do you predict that like your reaction to this work would be well i think i think <laughs> well i'm i'm already kind of ready cuz like this is the thing trans girls like get their pass i don't know about all of them but like for me uh, like ooh like you have to really like excavate yourself and like those sacred parts of yourself and really do some soul searching that like you just can kind of feel where you were during the trauma that you experienced mm -hmm. and where you're going to go in the future. But I see definitely there being like at least some modicum of like backlash because like the trans experience is still so new and it's still so mm -hmm. being like, you know, digested. And I'm kind of at the be like, I feel like I don't know, there's probably like lots of other trans artists. I just haven't had the time right now to like really research them. I do have some friends online and on Instagram mm -hmm. who are like Hispanic and like make make art themselves and they're transgender. But like where where the people doing it now? So, you know, obviously there's gonna be right. it's not gonna sit well with everyone. <laughs> Even people we love, like I'm sure there's gonna be other trans people in the trans community that like don't agree with like my worldview or the way I see things. And I'm like, I'm already ready to be like, it's okay. Like, it's fine <laughs> because I'm like, that's also like, that's just what you, what happens when you do good work. Mm. It's like, it's not supposed to be perfect. That would be really ridiculous and kind of like creepy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be like, so I know I'm going to eat shit. You know, I know I'm going to fall on my face already. Well, so I'm like, just let it happen. That's, that's not not what I, I wasn't like, oh, like future society is going to hate the work of 2023 art. Like, they might. But, and I'm okay but, with that. And, I, and there are flaws. Like I see flaws in my psychology always. And that's why I have good friends who can like point things out and be like, hey, Arda, just, you know. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I'm just now processing this trauma. Mm. I'm obviously not going to do it gracefully and perfect. That's <laughs> not the real well, process. that's not it's real. And clunky. I don't think anyone expects that of you. <laughs> you would be surprised. You know, internet okay, trolls, you know internet <laughs> trolls are really <laughs> facetious and mean. And like, but then it's funny because like, as soon as they do it to you, there's like three, three arrows pointed at them because it's like, it's, it's not about like, it's not about getting it right or knowing what you have or something like that. It's about just knowing that it's a journey and mm. it's going to be an experience. What that is, I don't know. I think that's what I'm ready for is like just being okay with it succeeding or even not. Like maybe this work will never really go anywhere. Eh, whatever. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it just to survive, just to like get through the day and like, you know, that's what I'm doing it for. It's like... 
it's emotional healing for my mental well-being. It really is. Absolutely. Do you feel like, I'm not sure how to phrase this, so this might take a couple passes, but you said earlier, like, as a trans woman, like, we are the people creating this work now, like, in this reality where this is something that's kind of coming to fruition for a lot of people, like, you are creating this work now as you go. Do you feel like you have a community of people or other artists that you work with or friends that like can connect to your artwork or that like uh, can I th- help talk through your artwork? Or I is it kind of isolated? Are, it's a little isolated. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think a lot of the way trans youth like visualizes their trans experience is very different from me because I'm an immigrant to begin with. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not from this land. So, like, I don't, like, I don't really subscribe to a lot of people's opinions or ideas. And I have a really intense worldview on, like, you know, what success looks like or what is, you know, what what is art in whatever terms. Mm. So, yeah, like, just being an immigrant has, like, tainted my experience as a trans woman, too. And it's tainted on, like, many levels. It's weird. <laughs> like, at the moment, like, I do see some young people getting, like, a little flustered because I'm so loud about shit. But I'm also like, bro, like, we're loud as soon as we walk out. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as we walk out of the door, we're loud. Why? Because we exist. So I'm not trying to, like, what I want to say is, like, I'm not trying to advocate for, like, I want to advocate for other trans girls and other trans Mm -hmm. people and third gender people. I do. But I understand that I'm not going to, like, fit their mold perfectly because it's such an infinite space. Like, the spectrum of gender is infinite. And everyone can, you can interact with it in infinite ways. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I'm going to get lost. I'm probably going to lose a lot of trans people in that. Like, they're going to have many different types of weight because they're just as complex as I am. So I think, like, me just doing the work is courageous enough, and I'll say my piece with that. Like, you know, some youth might, like, get rattled and whatever, but then I'm also like, yeah, that's a facet of healing happening is that you're going to be uncomfortable. It's going to, like, burn because, yeah, sometimes a healing process requires burning or requires some kind of mending or bones crushing back into place or being Mm -hmm. stapled back. Like, yeah, the... The grieving process for this isn't pretty and the outlash is going to be a facet of the healing process because it just usually is. Like I've seen this pattern happen with like, you know, queer rights and gay rights and immigrant rights and, you know, with even like things with like Black Lives Matter and things like that and trans rights in schools now and you can't say gay. It's like you see the pattern. It's Mm. like that. I think it's called, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the snake that eats its tail. Oh, I understand what you yeah, mean. Yeah, it's like an alchemical symbol. And it's kind of like, I feel like that's just a facet of a natural cycle. Mm-hmm. And, and it's okay. It's just some people are not okay with that mm-hmm. or just not patient enough. And that's okay too. We're all learning how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is isolating. But there are a couple people I'm able to meet, artists that get it, mm-hmm. or just people who I meet and I'm just like, I can see in their eyes that by the way they're looking at me, they get it. Mm. And then we're like friends, but like we're kind of friends on a different level because we can talk like this with each other. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. we're we're talking about the things that we're not supposed to talk about sure. yeah. that are like really tense subjects for many great reasons. Like, right. you know, like it, it's supposed to be like that thing that makes you squirm inside. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's what I'm working with. And it, yeah, respectively, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's natural to work with large group of people. <laughs> like usually you find like just a handful of people and you're like, okay, we're going to like tread through this mud together and be very patient with ourselves as it's unraveling. I think that is a good transition into this other piece that you submitted titled Black Sheep, which I also got to see in person in your studio. And when I asked you what you'd like to talk about on the podcast, you were like, oh, do you think we can talk about colonization? I was like, sure, we can talk about whatever you want. I was to talk about it. (laughs) So I'll just ask if you don't mind, like similarly to the other piece, if for those that are listening, if you want to kind of tell us what we're looking at here. This piece is about 49 inches tall by 39 inches wide, I think are the dimensions. And it's a self-portrait of me half trans woman, half male black sheep. (laughs) And I'm carrying on my shoulder the Christian flag of the Spanish colonists when they came to South America. My back and the flag kind of does this interloping twist and inside like that little negative space of the flag are these like sharp teeth in the background is this large mountain it's actually mount chimborazo in ecuador which is the furthest point on planet earth stretched out to outer space so from the center of the earth this point of this mountain reaches the furthest into the heavens or like Mm. into outer space so i wanted that in the background and there's a flock of sheep on the ground level of that mountain and i'm off on like some kind of hillside or cliff walking up another mountain to look at the view and I'm also wounded on there on the side of the black sheep is a gash. And from that gash, some blood is spilling forward into a chalice or a cup, which is European in shape, but the iconography and imagery on the cup are Incan indigenous. So yeah, there's a lot going on in this piece. I also have a halo. <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And this this one is also this is a charcoal piece. So it's Mm -hmm. black and white, but has like some very like impressively intense like texture and detail. Like I'm very drawn to the, I guess, wool on on the sheep. Like Mm -hmm. the texture of that, too, is really excellent. And your hair, the hair on like your body or on your, the hair on your body the hair on your head as it like stretches into the halo like the texture yeah. is so good well hair is the, the head part of my body <laughs> so you're right <laughs> but yeah no i well this is this piece took me six months to work on so yeah i had some time to like really give some richness to different textures on the page to help you know images read better mm. and stuff but no, yeah, this is uh, the first piece I created as Arta at the 1120 Art Studios. So this was like my first, this is what set precedent the ex, the rest of the exhibition. I mm. was like, this is the kind of work I want to do. This is the strongest image I've made in my career so far. But Is there anything specific you want to talk about? <laughs> or like, yeah. like, is there any specific symbolism that pops out at you or how do you feel about it like what do you see when you look at it i so i had first similar to your other piece i had first seen this on social media which absolutely shrinks like the (laughs) size and scope of something yeah so when i saw it in person i was like extra struck because it it was much larger than i was thinking and similarly like Mm -hmm. kind of has this scope that you could 
almost walk into it. But I think like when I first saw the image on Instagram, I was really, really drawn to it because like pain is like the first word that I thought of when I looked at it. And like the, the way that the upper half of your body is you, your palm is like on the ground and your head is kind of like turned and stretched looking up towards the sky, but your eyes are kind of closed. Like there was just something so visceral in that, like the movement in your arm, but also kind of just like one of my students said this about a work of art the other day, like this calm, neutral look that still reflects so much pain and emotion. And like, I was so just like, I remember like zooming in on Instagram and just like staring at it and like trying to like, I'll often like look at a piece and try to like mimic it with my own face and just like reflect on how I'm feeling about Mm, the person. Beautiful. Because I I, like, it helps me better understand. I don't know. Like I I remember, I very vividly remember doing that. Like as I was looking at this piece on Instagram and just being like, so well, that's like the coolest consumed by (laughs) (laughs) because tech, like, technically the work is really impressive but like subject matter wise like it took 0.2 seconds for me to be like i know what this is about but like there's still so much to look at and it's still so deep yeah yeah that i guess that feeling i was trying to emit was the feeling of ecstasy which i felt when i realized i was trans for the first time Mm. So when I really accepted myself, I actually went into like a bipolar episode because I had to like really conceptually conceptualize what would my reality look like if I was a trans woman and like came out at the age of like at the time I was 27 and, you know, the kinds of things I would be negotiating. So like I was negotiating more relationships with other people that would be healthier because they see me as feminine or they see me as a feminine energy person where I could be more seen for myself and like actually take up space for myself. So that was really beautiful. But I also realized like I would be letting go of a lot of people who are holding on to this concept of my physical form conceptually in their reality Mm. and uh, that was really difficult it was very like you know euphoric but then also very depressive so I was reeling between these two extremes of emotional landscapes and I was having to like my brain had to be physically strong enough to conjoin both ideas and it couldn't it couldn't fathom both because it's so strong to like live for yourself and then also have consumed the concept of self and someone else's reality Mm. which you know people get mad at you like I have parts of my family that see me as the you know trans woman that like is a man-eating bitch that like ate your little brother and (laughs) killed him you know what I mean like I'm I also symbolize that to them like I have to be very clear about Mm. like the reason they stopped talking to me is because they're like pissed that Mm. they don't have their little brother anymore and they really love that person you know whoever that was to them in their reality and I am responsible for like changing my identity to a certain extent and like that includes how that shifted other people's realities it's really toxic that trans people have to negotiate that space it's so like gutturally just destructive like it's really soul-wrenching and 
you know, definitely explains why mental illness is like a thing in our community often is not often, but I mean, I don't know, like statistically speaking, it is often statistically speaking, like trans people or queer people or people of third gender have a more difficult time, like reintegrating into society somehow because they're so much pushed aside or made to not have, you know, the the security that is that should be given to everyone who's alive Mm. but yeah so like this piece I'm I have different colored eyes and that's actually alluding to my bipolar episode that I was in both that like you know highest of highs like feeling my femininity feeling this beautiful like feminine spiritual energy that was from another realm beyond my physical body and unifying with that. Like that is a beautiful, intimate thing for anyone to, to deal with. And, and, you know, and other people do it with their masculinity too. And that's a beautiful and intimate space for them to deal that with that stuff. So I was like literally feeling this beautiful feeling. And then also realizing the terror of having that embody, you know, having to embody that and like what that means for the world and for my family and how they may or may not want to perceive me. You know, it's, it was a lot to handle and like to try to like, I don't know, it was hard to express, but that's like the face that culminated Mm. was like just this face of like, you're, you're kind of like, you're just letting things wash over you mm. and they're beautiful and terrifying and gorgeous and sad, but there's, you know, it's not an easy place to exist. <laughs> like it sounds like it could be cool. It's not, it's rough. <laughs> you know, it is really moving. I definitely had like an ego death kind of experience when I had my first bipolar episode. At least that's what it felt like, but you know, you when you break it down, it's just there's so much tension and pressure around trans people that, like, I had a mental break. Like, that's what happened. Like, there's so much. It's such a, you know, it can be such a difficult reality or harsh existence that the brain has a hard time conceptualizing it. So it mm. gives gives out or, like, is too stressed to continue. It's kind of like that's something's got to change. You know, the world mm-hmm. has to move different now it's it's not okay for people to have to deal with that i love this piece and i it doesn't culturally ethnically gender relate to my experience at all but like it causes some sort of like emotional reaction when i look at it and it i don't know it's very very powerful well it's it's evidence that there's something wrong with you know reality Mm. like and the fact that you can feel it through the image Mm. is just you being witness to that reality ringing true in your reality too. Like mm. you're like, wow, a friend of mine went through that or someone who I consider right. in my community is dealing with this kind of gravitas of this culmination of culture or whatever happened around, you know, trans ideology, gender ideology, whatever you want to call it. Like there's so much stigma here that it literally torments the human condition. Mm. We all feel that on a different level, like just because you don't have to be trans to know what it might feel like, you know, and we all feel it in our own ways. We might feel boxed out or left out and everyone can relate to being a black sheep at some point. Mm. And we think it's good for people to kind of go through it. It's like a rite of passage. I don't think it's great saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's like healthy, but I think it helps 
with the fortitude of the human condition. Like, Mm. you know, after this, I feel like I can do a lot. Like, I'm really proud of myself for like after two years in hormone therapy, coming out, letting the chips fall where they may, seeing where they landed, picking things back up again, reflecting on things. And what I have is, you know, a solo show coming out. That's pretty great. That's lovely. You know, things are not bad. Things are great. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's be very clear. Like... I'm carrying on, I'm doing my work, I'm trying to make it, you know, hopefully one day it's something that I can do and not have to worry like about having another job or something to help mm-hmm. support it. Hopefully more people can like buy or invest or help out somehow, or I have some kind of income stream that helps me make it more accessible for mm-hmm. me to access this part of my creative vision and and let it flourish. That's my only hope is like, hopefully it becomes self-sustaining somehow. Absolutely. Are you excited that your first solo exhibition is here in the Lehigh Valley? Yeah. Yeah. I love the Lehigh Valley. I don't know why, like everyone who like is from here and then like leaves is like, I'm so happy I left. I'm like, I always wanted to return. I was like, yo, this place is my home. I love the Lehigh Valley. I loved LVPA. I love like all my friends here. I love the community here. I like feel so much stronger where I'm here. I'm so happy Mm. I'm home. Like Bethlehem specifically feels like home. Easton is now where I live and it's becoming my home, but it's like the Holy High Valley has my heart. Like like, as an immigrant, like this community supports the arts so much that I was able to go to like a charter art school and Mm. like study art. And like that saved my life. As a trans girl, that saved my life. That was everything, you know? Mm. And it was my whole world for so long. But now it's nice to like reincorporate that part of myself with my new self now and kind of see how I'm going to move forward. And I'm I'm really happy and grateful to do it here in the Lehigh Valley, honestly, for real. Mm, I I love everyone here. (laughs) (laughs) I love this place. What do you you feel like is different about the arts community in the Lehigh Valley as opposed to like other places? And I, I don't know how many other places you've lived, but. I mean, I lived in New York. I think the Lehigh Valley is more self-sustaining and I feel like in New York you kind of have to like really know people and really like you know like everyone's kind of doing it so there's a bunch of networks but like you have to find the right ones and which one's the right fit and it's almost like too much noise whereas here like there's only like the art community is really small so like it's nice you can find a lot of camaraderie with like everyone here like you can kind of like you know, get to meet the whole scene. I mean, it's also in that way kind of big. Like we have networks that reach out into New York, Philadelphia, Florida, Miami, like, you know, like Los Angeles, probably Europe as well. Like, (laughs) cause like, yeah, there's ways of getting anything done in the Lehigh Valley. I like that. Like it's well networked, like locally and like, I guess like globally as well. Like there is enough people that have their pulse on the right places that Mm. could put you in the right connection with the right people to make certain things happen. There is enough of it. But, you know, I I like that you can do that. In New York City, it's like you're kind of figuring everything out and everyone is all the time and the economy is really rough (laughs) like out there. It's like, it's just, I don't know. I didn't like it. Mm. It's just too much. I think here I can like actually digest my thoughts in new york it was just too difficult because there's so much like you got to pay rent you got to do this you got to do that you got to like dance and it was like too much it's not possible (laughs) fair enough fair enough (laughs) well arta if people want to see your work or find your work online where is a good place to do that yeah i guess you can follow me on instagram at 
Arta Brito. That's A-R-T-A-B-R-I-T-O. That's Instagram for Arta Brito. And then my website is Art by Arta. That's A-R-T-B-Y-A-R-T-A. Art by Arta. So those are kind of like the two hash. I think on TikTok, I'm Art by Arta as well. And on Twitter, I'm Art by Arta. But Instagram, it's Arta Brito. I'm trying to get that Art by Arta on Instagram. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Like no one checks Instagram's like complaints, nothing. So it'll probably just be Arta Brito. But if anyone has the power, it's listening. It is okay. I'd rather like at least TikTok's Art by Arta. That's like the more important app. It's the mo- more useful one, I guess. The one the kids are using. <laughs> the kids are using. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to use it. And I'm too, like, I'm too much in my own, like, feelings about, like, I just learned Instagram and that was tough enough. Now I have to learn a whole video app thing. TikTok is rough. I feel like TikTok is probably where all the parties are at, but it's just so, I just, it's too much. (laughs) Like, I'm like, now I have to edit a video (laughs) to say something. What? I mean, you don't have to, but they that al- the algorithm on that shit is like it's crazy. <laughs> no, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, mm. that's where people can find me. Very good. Come and find me there. You've two places where work will soon be on view, and probably by the time this comes out, will already be on view. Uh, so at Atelier jo- Jolier Gallery. Jolie. I think it's Atelier Jolie Gallery, so it's properly pronounced. And yeah, it's going to be the exhibition, The Language of Heart group show from November 30th till about like January, I think. It's going to be up for three months. So you can check out. That's more of my old work. And then my new work is going to be at the Bradbury Sullivan Center in Allentown. And that runs till January 29th. There's a lot of hands helping me with this exhibition. (laughs) I have like friends helping me with installation and write-ups. And so please help all the work. It's not just me. There's like a DJ making music, a light designer, like installation designer. Amazing. Yeah. So it's a lot of hands. So please come. Please enjoy the work. We're doing it for you guys. We're doing it for the love. So... Excellent. Thank you, thank you. Awesome, Arda, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Arda, thank you so much for coming in and recording today. For those that are listening, at Bradbury Sullivan LGBT Community Center right now, Arda Through the Looking Glass is on display until January 29th. And on Saturday, January 27th, from 2 to 4 p.m., there will be a conversation with Arta Brito and Mark Wansidler, who is the curator of exhibitions and collections at Lehigh University Art Galleries. Bradbury Sullivan is located at 522 West Maple Street at Bayard Rustin Way in Allentown, PA, 18101. Thanks for tuning in to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. Don't forget to like the podcast, leave us a review, and follow us on both social media and streaming services at Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast.